When you hear the word forgiveness, what does it make you think of? How does it hit you? How does it grab you? You know, forgiveness is a deep, profound subject because we all need to forgive others and we all need forgiveness. And maybe you're struggling with this subject right now about how to forgive somebody. Forgiveness literally means to send away, to leave it alone, but it can be so hard and so difficult and so challenging. That subject and what Jesus said about forgiveness is today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Mark 11, two verses this morning. That means very little. You know we'll still go 50 minutes, right? The title is Forgive. Mark 11, 25 and 26. Let's turn there in our Bibles. Let me pray for us one more time. Father God, as we come before you, we come before you as Christians, as a forgiven people. All of our sins, you have cast them away. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. But forgiveness is not cheap. It's not something that you just extend easily. Because you are just, there's a cost. That cost was your own beloved son who became for us the means of salvation. He took the penalty. Though innocent, he took your wrath. And he rose from the dead And by means of his death and resurrection, if we will simply believe, we can enter into that forgiveness and be a forgiven person, Lord. And there's so many in our community this morning who are waking up this morning unforgiven. There are people who are trying to sleep off a hangover. There are people who are in desperate straits. Some are suicidal. But it's not just people without, Lord. It's people within that struggle with forgiveness. We struggle with it as believers. We struggle with it in the church, in our marriages, in our friendships. And Father, we need a healing balm. We need your heart to truly forgive. We're going to acknowledge as we pray, Lord, that forgiveness can be a challenging thing to us. And we need to understand what you say about it and what we're to do about it. Ultimately, Lord, this is another area of the Christian life that can only truly be accomplished by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask that you would move mightily in our midst and give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, here's the verses, Mark eleven twenty-five. And whenever you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty-five, forgive. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. That's Mark 11, 25 and 26. I want you to notice that in both verses, 
The word is transgression. It's not the word sins, and there's a difference in both Hebrew and Greek of the idea. When you, when you read the word for sin in the New Testament, it's a word called har, hamartia. And that, that's a word that just simply means we all are imperfect. We all miss the bullseye. We're all, you know, we're all sinners. We miss the mark. But that's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here is a transgression. The best way simply to explain a transgression is that we know the line. Let's say we, we can look at a commandment of God, thou shall not do this. And we see the line and it's clear in our minds and we still decide to step over it. We, here's the word, we transgress it. We step over that line and it becomes sin. The word transgress means an error. It means uh, to do something with willful intent. It's not simply, oops, I made a mistake. It's no, I really thought that one through and I decided to do it anyway. And that's the word here for, uh, that's used here for transgressions. Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. I would say to you that forgiveness is probably one of those things that we all think we've done really well until we start revisiting our past and maybe even our recent past. And we realize that forgiveness can be a tricky thing. I want to define the word for a second just so we all understand what forgiveness is because it's one of those words that we can easily pass by and say, I know what it means, but here's what, for, what forgiveness is. It's a Greek word called aphemi, and it literally means, here's a definition if you're taking notes, forgiveness means to send, to send forth, to send away. It has the idea of this, that when you truly forgive somebody, you send away what they did. You get rid of it. It's no longer there. It's captured in an Old Testament account of the scapegoat. And what Israel would do on the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, is they would have two goats. One goat would be slaughtered, and another goat would be sent off into the wilderness. And the high priest was supposed to lay hands on the head of the goat, in this case the scapegoat, and he was to confess the sins of the nation. And once he did that, and I think this is largely symbolic, but he would, he would confess the sins and that, and that scapegoat would be released into the wilderness. The idea was symbolically never to be seen again. And that's the idea of what God does with our sins. They're never to come back. They're never to be revisited. They go off somewhere where they're gone forever. They, they are buried in the depth of the sea, to uh, use another uh, biblical analogy, and there's a no fishing sign posted there, <laughs> which is really good news. However, they found out something about this scapegoat. It was kind of like your lost cat or your lost dog. Sometimes the scapegoat would come back, and it would ruin the whole picture. Because here it came back, no, carrying all of our sins, no. So they actually took some extreme measures. And uh, as the Day of Atonement unfolded in the life of Israel, they would actually take this goat and they would take it to the brow of a hill and they would throw it off the hill to ensure that it would not return with the sins (laughs) of the people. In the ministry of Jesus, when he's in his own hometown in Nazareth, he preaches in the synagogue there, and it says that the people were amazed at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. Later, even his enemies would say, nobody ever spoke like this man spoke. But when he began to address some hard subjects in the synagogue, the Bible says the 
town folk took him to the brow of a hill and they were intending to throw him off. And one uh, Messianic pastor has pointed out that that's a connection to the scapegoat story from Leviticus 16. And if you've read that account before, you know the Bible says that Jesus just passed by. It didn't happen. They didn't kill him because it wasn't his time to die. And that's not the way in which he would die. But it's an interesting connection to the scapegoat. Here's why I bring this up. Because sometimes with all of our good intentions as people, we want to send away what people have done to us. We want to forgive them. We don't want to rehash it. We want to truly bury the hatchet. And we don't want to leave the handle sticking out for a later convenient time. Amen? We say, you know, we've forgiven people, but then we bring things up from, you know, the 1980s, for those of us who have been alive that long. Do you remember when you took the last cookie? 1986, I never forgot that. (laughs) That kind of stuff. It's usually not about that minor of a thing, but to forgive someone has these ideas. It means to leave it alone, to release it, to liberate to let go, to send off, to hurl away, to pardon, to leave behind, to let it be, to give it up. All these, if you look up Greek lexicons, these are all definitions you can find for the word forgiveness. How are you doing in that category? Ooh, Forgiveness is a hard thing. It's a bit of a tricky thing, too, because it's one of those things that we wonder about. Like, do we automatically forgive people? Do we, how do you navigate things like this? We all, you know, it kind of hits our hearts because we, forgiveness is something that is essential to all of us and impacts all of us. We've all been, we've all been hurt and wounded in this room by people, sometimes people very close to us. And when you've been hurt and wounded, sometimes it's very hard. Some of you have some tragic episodes of your past. I have some people very near and dear to me that have some very tragic episodes in their past. They can still revisit the time and the face and the words. You know, there's an old playground rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But do you know that's a lie? I mean, we can remember words that were spoken to us some, for some of us decades ago, that really had an impact on us. They're more devastating than a broken bone. A broken bone heals, but sometimes broken hearts don't. Forgiveness is essential in all relationships, marriage, family, church. Uh, I would tell you that oftentimes when I'm doing a wedding ceremony, I talk about the essential uh, reality of forgiveness to a couple that's walking up for the first time to seal a covenant. And I often say, forgiveness will move your marriage forward and unforgiveness will move your marriage backward. We must keep short accounts with our spouses because we realize that in the tight quarters in which we live everyday life, there's all these opportunities to wrong somebody, even when we don't intend it. Sometimes we've hurt somebody And we don't even realize what we've done. Have you ever had somebody come to you and they express to you that they've been holding on to resentment in their heart over some exchange and you're like, what exchange? (laughs) 
And, and for years, they've been holding on to something and you didn't even realize. And maybe it was a word you said in passing or even a perception about body language. Ever had that happen before? I thought you were mad at me, Pastor Michael. What are you talking about? Well, you were getting your maple bar and you didn't, you didn't look at me. That's because I was focused on my maple bar, man. It had nothing to do with you. <laughs> Man, we can, we can have all these misgivings about, you know, relationships and, and we can even come to the worst of conclusions when someone didn't really intend anything, but somehow we took that personally. So many issues that come from this idea of forgiveness. Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty five, forgive. The, uh, the normal Jewish way to pray was to stand. Sometimes they would stand actually lifting their hands in prayer. We often feel like, well, maybe we should kneel or bow our heads or close our eyes. But sometimes the Jews would actually stand and lift their eyes up when they prayed. Have you ever looked at a, a room when someone's praying and somebody has their eyes open and you begin to judge people with their eyes open? They're not really praying right now. Look at them. Their eyes are open. Well, how did you see them? <laughs> so it's interesting how that works, huh? Well, I, I just looked for a second. Well, maybe they were just looking for the second you opened your eyes. Yeah, I know. And Jesus, in very sweeping language, check this out. He says, if you, when you pray, and that assumes that you're praying regularly, Shouldn't just rush past that, right? Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. He says, whenever you pray. If you have an NIV, it says, when you pray. That assumes that you pray. I hope you pray. I hope you're praying regularly. Hey, folks, we'll be back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. I want to tell you about our brand new store at walkintruth.com. We have a lot of great products up there. And we have a new product. It's called Dark Dangers of the Occult where we actually look at the subject of demon possession, which comes up a lot in the Gospel of Mark. Go to walkintruth.com, purchase your copy today of Dark Dangers of the Occult, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us at Walk in Truth. Thank you so much, and now, back to the teaching. Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. He says, whenever you pray. If you have an NIV, it says, when you pray. That assumes that you pray. I hope you pray. I hope you're praying regularly. If you have anything against anyone, now anybody looking for loopholes in this passage is probably not going to find it. Because these are very sweeping statements. Anything against anyone? Lord, can you clarify? <laughs> Does it, do the, can we get the Greek definition of those words? Anything against anyone? Clarification? Any small print in the contract? Uh, no, nothing. Anything against anyone, forgive them. Oh, wow. Wow, that is a challenge. And then it gets even more challenging, which we'll talk about here in a second, that your Heavenly Father may forgive you. Forgiveness is the act of excusing or pardoning another in spite of his or her slights, shortcomings, and errors. It's a theological term, forgiveness is, 
And it ultimately points to God's pardon of us as human beings. I prayed in the beginning and mentioned a few of those ideas from the Old Testament. If the Lord kept a record of sins, oh, oh Lord, who could stand? You know, the Bible teaches that as a Christian, you are forgiven. That God's never going to bring up those things that he's forgiven. He's forgotten them. Now, I don't think that theologically that means that God doesn't know what you did. And I don't think that that means practically that we're not going to remember what people did to us. When God says, I will remember their sins no more, here's what it means. It means he chooses to not hold them against us anymore. He chooses to forget the slight. I mean, never one time as a believer will you ever come to God and say, God, will you please forgive me? And God says, nope. Sorry, not this time. You've exhausted the limit. You know, Peter, when he was uh, having an interchange with Jesus, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Three times? That's what the rabbis taught. Peter probably thought he was doing good. (laughs) Or No, he said seven times, right? Seven times. The rabbis taught three. And Jesus said, I say to you, 70 times seven. Mathematicians, what does that equal? Boy, that was weak. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys need more coffee? What's going on? Maybe you don't know the answer, which is even more scary. But I forgive you. Anyway, 70 times 7. So so we might say, okay, on the 491st time, then. Can you imagine forgiving somebody of the same thing 490 times? Wow. Wow. Scholars have pointed out that this, point, this probably points to an inexhaustible number using the sevens as a number that's inexhaustible. The immediate audience, uh, I've told you about the verses here, the definition. If you're taking notes, the verses, the definition, here's the audience. The immediate audience is actually the apostles. Look back at verse 25. He says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. I think it's insightful to know the audience, the immediate audience, because the immediate audience is the apostles, and we know what they've been doing lately, right? They've been arguing about which of them is the greatest. They've been having disputes, constant arguments. Jesus has been trying to straighten them out on the issue. And in fact, there's one recent verse that we studied in Mark 10 where James and John have come to Jesus and asked for the best spots when he enters into his kingdom. And it says the 10, the other 10 apostles who didn't get to Jesus first to ask for those spots, the Bible says they were indignant, angry with, the, with James and John for asking such a thing. Do you think it's possible that the 12 apostles had unforgiveness in their hearts towards one another? I think so. Think about the backdrop. Jesus is just days away from the cross. They've already gone to Jerusalem. We've already watched him clean out the temple, turn over the money changers' tables. He's about to die on Passover. Days away from the cross, and he looks at the 12, and they are holding resentment and unforgiveness in their hearts, and the Lord has to be thinking, I'm about to pass on a gospel. I'm going back to heaven and they are going to have to communicate the forgiveness that I'm about to pay for at the cross and they can't even get along. Oh my goodness. 
until we look at the modern church. And we know that sometimes within the modern church, even the walls of the modern church, there's unforgiveness and resentment towards other Christians. How can we tell people about the good news of forgiveness in Jesus Christ if we can't even forgive those closest to us? If we're holding on to resentment and bitterness, Jesus says these words and they are staggering. Look at verse 25. He says, so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions. And then verse 26 is in brackets because it's not in the earliest and best manuscripts, but it's, a, it's taken from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.15, which you may want to just make a note of. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. You don't really have to worry about whether or not that's an original because he already said it in verse 25. So that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your transgressions. Now, you might be asking a theological question. I've been asking it all week. Does that mean that if I don't forgive people, God won't forgive me? I don't think it means that in the ultimate judicial sense. Stick with me for a second. Put your thinking cap on. You are not saved by your forgiving of other people. You are saved by grace through what? faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one should boast. If my forgiveness before Almighty God was based upon me forgiving every person that I've ever had anything with or against, I might be in some trouble. Although I don't want to downplay this either, and I will say to you this, forgiveness should be the normal part of a a Christian's experience, and if you have continual unforgiveness against multiple people, you might want to ask yourself whether or not you're a Christian. And here's why. For those who have been forgiven of so many things, how can we withhold forgiveness? Now, I am not talking about those difficult, singular cases where we've been wounded. We had a phone call on the Bible Answer Show uh, just this last week, And a woman said she was struggling with fear. And somebody in her life, some well-meaning Christian said, her fear is a sin. And that uh, it was keeping her back from doing things that she wanted to do, but she had gone through this trauma and she was trying to deal with it. Look, I think there are times when forgiveness must be a process. And here's why. Because I think if you try to say you've forgiven somebody and it's not true, then you're just trying to do something to be back in good standing with God. It's like, could I run through a naughty list of people who have done me wrong? Okay, this person, this, yeah, I, I forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, forgive, forgive. I'm right with you now, right, God? That sounds to me more like a religious duty or even a work. I think God knows that sometimes it's going to be a process for us, but I do have questions about all of these things. Let me ask you a question. What is your biggest block to extending forgiveness to people? Could it be pride, hurt, bitterness? There's a story about a traveler making his way with a guide through the jungles of Burma. They came to a shallow but wide river and waded through it to the other side. When the traveler came out of the river, numerous leeches had attached to his torso and legs. His first instinct was to grab them and pull them off. The guide stopped him, warning that pulling the leeches off would only leave tiny pieces of them under the skin. Eventually, infection would set in. 
The best way to rid the body of the leeches, the guide advised, was to bathe in a warm balsam bath for several minutes. This would soak the leeches and soon they would release their hold on the man's body. This writer says, when I've been significantly injured by another person, I cannot simply yank the injury from myself and expect that all bitterness, malice, and emotion will be gone. Resentment still hides under the surface. The only way to become truly free of the offense and to forgive others is to bathe in the soothing bath of God's forgiveness of me. When I finally fathom the extent of God's love in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of others is a natural overflow. You know, it's one thing to preach this and even read verses on it, but how many times have we all found in our heart that even little things we can hold on to resentment and unforgiveness? You know, it could be a minor offense, but we're like, well, how dare you? How could you do that to me? And all of a sudden we can find that forgiveness is not as easy as some might say. I don't think that your forgiveness is Uh, based upon whether or not you forgive people in an ultimate sense. But I think your forgiveness, assuming that you're a Christian this morning, will affect your prayer life and will affect your relationship with others. And I do think it's something that you have to take a hard look at because I think that the issue here for believers is more about the closeness of fellowship with God and with others. I was listening to a pastor this last week and he said, unforgiveness leads to bitterness Division, hatred, unquenched anger, pride, resentment. It can cause our hearts to become so hard and calloused that it can affect our ability to love and to trust others. And ultimately, it, if unforgiveness, if it's an ongoing attitude, could very well make evident that we are not believers at all. Now let's look a little deeper. Let's ask the question, what's at stake here? Number one, if you're taking notes and... I'm asking the question now, what's at stake here? Our relationship with God and others is at stake here. I want you to turn for a moment to the Lord's Prayer, what's known as the Lord's Prayer, which is Matthew 6. Matthew 6. The disciples had asked Jesus a critical question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They had watched him pray so many times, and finally they decided they'd ask him how they should pray. This is not a prayer, I do not believe, that has to be repeated word for word is a regular prayer, although there's no problem with that. And if you enjoy doing that, that's fine. But I think what Jesus is really teaching is the essence of how our normal prayer life should look and what the content of those prayers should be. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. Really appreciate you tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Just want to remind you about our store at walkintruth.com. We have a lot of new products up there, a lot of exciting topics with apologetics and studies of different subjects. One of the things that's up there right now is the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid a fall into sexual sin like King David did. A lot of practical teaching in that particular message. And I want you to go to walkintruth.com, click on the store. When you purchase any of the products, you partner with us in Walk in Truth to reach more people with the truth of Jesus Christ. If you believe in this ministry, that's one of the ways that you can partner with us. We appreciate very much you listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Partner with us in prayer and go to the store and partner with us in giving. We appreciate it. God bless you. And we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Thank you for listening to today's program. 
If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.